Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams, so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRadar.com, Cycling Plus, and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Hello there, welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast. My name is Tom Marvin, I'm a senior technical editor here at bikegradar.com and MBUK magazine. Joining me today over the power of Zoom, we have all of our tech writers, tech editors, and tech supremos. So we've got Rob Weaver, he's our technical editor-in-chief, and I got it right this time. How are you getting on, Rob? <laughs> I'm good, thanks, Tom. Good stuff. Uh, in the office, we've got Luke Marshall, he's our tech writer. How's it going, Luke? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you, Tom. Good, and all the way from Scotland, it's Al Evans. He's our senior technical editor at bikegradar.com. How's it going, Al? Hey, Tom. All good here. Thank you very much. Good, Al. What, what have you been doing recently, Al? Uh, I've actually uh, I've been riding some pre-embargo bikes. Um, hmm. It's getting uh, bikes getting dro- dropped off this week. Uh, I'm not actually sure when the embargo is, so I'm not gonna not gonna give away too many clues. Um, but it's gonna have uh, Shimano's EP801 motor on it, so it'll be the first time I've ridden their latest release of the Shimano motor. Um, it'll be interesting to see whether they've addressed some of the uh, complaints from the first one, um, which was mostly the, the the rattle. I think the the freewheel rattle is uh, just one one of the biggest. Excellent stuff. Are you uh, looking forward to riding it? Is it a good looking bike, or is it a bike with an interesting motor? I haven't actually seen it yet. Um, so it's a it's a version of it's an electrified version. Ugh. Oh dear! It's an electrified version of a trail bike. Um, so it's a shorter travel shorter travel e-bike um, but with a full, full fat motor um, so it's an interesting interesting prospect nice good stuff luke what are you what are you cracking on with oh i've just been uh razzing around the woods testing helmets lately helmets and grips have been on the uh the short list this week so getting out there just yeah getting some laps in making sure they're all comfortable fit well vented hopefully uh 
can offer some good reviews and uh, make sure if you're in the in the hunt for a new helmet, we can recommend you some good ones. Excellent. And grips as well, if you need some new... Uh, and grips. Uh, surprisingly, some, some vented, vented handlebar grips. I was going to say, that, that was in my mind when he said that. I was like, vented <laughs> grips, interesting. <laughs> heated grips. I think I would go with heated grips if they were available. Cool. Uh, uh, oh, I tell you what, I've got a little story about heated grips. Oh, here we go. Um, so at the um, EWS, uh, the, the Tweed Valley one, not not last year's, the year before, which was in uh, October, I think it was, like late October, um, Nico Vios had heated grips on his e-bike. Isn't that like um, an old Joe Barnes trick? Mm. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Joe Barnes has them as well, doesn't he? Yeah. 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 He did a little yeah. video about it a few years ago, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So Rainy. there you go. Rob, what are you doing at the moment? What's getting on? Well, I've been um, playing around with a bit of fork setup, just trying to get things feeling absolutely spot on on my long-term bike, which is a nukeproof Giga 297. But then also putting some time in trying to organise this year's uh, Ride Together um, campaign. So, ah. yeah, that's our the sort of the collaborative uh, bit of work we do with a bike brand and a charity around mental health. So we organise, well... At the minute, not totally sure how many rides we're going to have. But last year we had uh, four rides in all dotted around the country where we invite people just to come along, especially if they tend to ride by themselves. Um, meet like-minded people, get out, go for rides, have a chat, have a coffee, um, potentially experience some new trails that they've never ridden before and hopefully um, go away buzzing. Nice. Yeah. Excellent stuff. How about you, Tom? Uh, I am... Very deep into our trail bike of the year testing at the moment. Ooh. So uh, I've got eight eight new trail bikes. Well, they're not all new, actually. I've got eight trail bikes, some of which are very new, some of which aren't very new, uh, but all of which are pretty good. Um, nice. so I'm, I'm trying to battle through and uh, work out what my top three are because we're going to we're going to take the top three from each of our bike of the year categories out to Italy, hopefully, uh, <laughs> take some pretty photos in the sun. Um, so there's no to think of what the top three is <laughs> well in advance of writing it all up. So uh, yeah, that's that's what I'm doing at the moment. Lots of lots of pedaling. Nice easy task then. Always easy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh, in this episode of the podcast, speaking of nice and easy, uh, we are going to obviously between us, we've got many many decades of, of of riding under our belts, and we thought we'd put together a set of hints and tips to make your life on the trail a little bit more efficient, a little bit more enjoyable, a little bit better. We haven't really worked out. A particular snappy way of introducing this podcast <laughs> so i've i've done it in a roundabout way um but it's a load of hints and tips to make sure that when you get out on the bike you make the absolute most of your time on your bike maybe maybe it's riding better getting there more efficiently cleaning your bike properly and all those sort of little bits and pieces that we sort of have to do on a regular basis um so hopefully there's some little nuggets of Great information in there for you all. Is that fair? Is that a good summarization? It's not a very good summarization, but it's a summarization. Yeah? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. Thanks. That was, <laughs> well a, that was a tough one with that. <laughs> well done. You, you just had your 2023 appraisal. There you go, Tom. Well done. <laughs> well done. Good stuff. Well, we, I think we're going to start off with um, some riding hints and tips, so some technique stuff. And I think, Luke, you are the man with uh, who's going to kick us off with all of that stuff. Yeah, I think it's really important to um, try and have a solid foundation of just a wide skill base. Um, so there's lots of riders when we go out. I mean, 
I'm guilty of this. I'm sure others are. It's just sometimes fun to try and go as fast as you can. Um, but if you're trying to kind of you have a wide capacity for speed and you're balancing that on top of a, a very small skill base or a narrow skill base, if you're an intermediate or novice rider, it's just going to be a recipe for disaster. And, uh, and as I get older, I think about really fortunate how lucky I were, or me and Robin were especially, just to kind of go out and spend our time as kids just playing around on bikes, doing endos, doing wheelies, doing bunny hops. But all those things are like super important and really useful like essential skills to have on the trail. So I think if, if you, it's not easy to find time, but if you can just find time, half an hour, 20 minutes during a ride, during your out at the weekend, whatever, just to mess around on your bike, just have fun, doing some skids, doing endos, learning how to stop properly, emergency stops, things like that, I think are really skillful. And if you've got that wide skill base as a foundation of your riding, and then you build speed on top of that, is a much safer and more controlled way to, to ride fast and have fun so um so you're not recommending you turn your um garden into a trials course or trials arena uh, like we um, used to do <laughs> yeah if you've got you know half term coming up summer holidays exactly turn the garden into a trials course that's uh, the best way to uh yeah build skills on the bike not convenient for everyone but uh but if you can do that then thoroughly recommend it yeah your poor and mom. E- e- <laughs> even if you're an adult and you know you're, you're not on half term necessarily because you're you're contributing to society, yes. <laughs> well, I, was, I was talking Maybe about you're adults a teacher. That, have a, that take half term off because they've got to look after kids, you know, just go out in the garden and build things. Or maybe they're a teacher as well. Yeah, uh, sorry, teachers. Definitely contributing to society in one of the most important ways there possible. <laughs> sorry, um, teachers. <laughs> um, you know, don't don't be afraid. It, just because you're just because you're maybe, a, you know, a bit older and you're not a kid and you're not playing around on bikes. Just get out there. No one's judging. No one's cared. They're too they're too busy thinking about themselves to care about, you know, whether you're doing endos and you're you're in your mid forties or whatever. Who cares? Um I've seen in, in your van loop that you've got um those little plastic cones that football coaches have at Tiny Tots Football. Um and what you lay them down on the fire road to do sort of cornering practice and that sort of thing. Yeah, I love cone drills, yeah. That's uh, cone all about cone technical term, yeah. Yeah, any cone drills, braking drills. The only thing I don't really do is any pedaling or exercise drills, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All the other ones. stuff. Yeah, but the ones where you roll downhill, they're great. And you've, we've done some stuff with you, Luke, where you've, you've filmed myself and Rob and yourself as well um, on some lines in the forest. And we sort of looked back and sort of picked out each other's uh, weak points, which took a lot longer for me than it did for you guys. But uh, quite, a, quite an important thing to go back and actually have a look at how you're riding and what you're, what you're achieving, right? Oh yeah, there's loads of um, little good apps you can get on your phone. And uh, if you're out with your mates and you just go through a section of trail you find difficult or something you want to practice, then yeah, just film it with your mates and uh, and you can replay it back. And there's different features on different apps to make that kind of slow it down, mark on there different things you want to highlight. And uh, yeah, really good little tool just for making small improvements. You know, you might see things on there that you would not have picked up while you're just riding your bike down the hill. Trying to guess how it's doing itself. Here you go. I, can I put you on the spot and ask you to say what you think the three most fundamental things when you're riding, say, a trail? We can be yeah. relatively specific. Three most fundamental things about body position or, or maybe what you have to do in order to, I don't know. Okay. The first one, I think it's one that's been repeated many times, but is completely essential to have your head up looking where you want to go. Yeah. Try yeah. and get that vision 
away from your front wheel and don't necessarily look at the obstacle that you're riding currently over, but always look at the next one ahead down the trail. Easier said than done though, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. But all, all of these things will take time and practice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I really shouldn't have put that picture of Robin on my mug guard. It's a terrible <laughs> idea. <laughs> but, um, and then the second one is just trying to find a, a good middle position or weight distribution between the two wheels. So okay. on a bike, you can be too far forwards and you can be too far back, but trying to find a good centered stance is really important. It's just how your bike will behave best. And obviously, depending on the terrain you're on, a little bit of the trail you're on, it will change a little bit, but just trying to keep a solid middle position, like with your weight above the bottom bracket and your kind of head over the stem, hips over the bottom bracket, that's going to just be a, a real useful body position there's lots of little um videos online and, and uh you can find up hints and tricks to kind of see what's a good one but body position vision up and then i guess it's braking really it's understanding how to use your brakes and not to be afraid of the front brake especially if you're going downhill i think braking is super important and if you can keep a good body position if you can brake well if you can look where you're going i think 90 percent of the stuff you'll ride over just fine if Lovely, thank you. You mentioned an app earlier on. What what app is it that you use? I use Coach's Eye. It's called Coach's Eye. Yeah, right. yeah. Just like, a free is that like I like a sailor, like I. Or... <laughs> Coach's Eye is in uh, eyes. Your eyes, how you see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that makes a lot more sense than. Uh... <laughs> yeah, Coach's like Coach Eye. That's the pirate app I've got as well, but. It's, uh... <laughs> Al, perhaps a, a more useful contribution could be. Is there anything that you've got? <laughs> no, 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 nothing more useful, mate. <laughs> that's the extent of uh, that's the extent of my usefulness. <laughs> Terrible no, banter. Uh, well, I, I don't. Know, I guess. I guess. I mean, Luke kind of said it, but sessioning. You know, definitely sessioning um, bits of trail. Massive help. You know, d- d- don't think you need to just go and do full runs. Um, you, you're probably not going to be learning a huge amount. Uh, doing a full run if you're looking to progress your skills because the likelihood is that you'll just repeat the same mistakes over and over um, because you're not kind of memorizing the trail you're not attacking specific bits so you know session it um and kind of with that tip in mind um just be super careful not to stop in the middle of the track and then don't move off it um you know this is quite a quite an easy mistake to make i guess if you've if you've not been biking for long if you're a beginner um or maybe if you're just really caught up in the moment you know if, if you stop in the middle of the track the problem is that someone could potentially ride into the back of you same if you're pushing up to session it you know just do it, do it to the side do it to the side it's really helpful um and at the starts and exits of tracks as well uh, just make sure you move away i remember that the other week um there was a, a group congregating at the exit of a trail all celebrating their level of stoke which is totally understandable because it was absolutely sick um and i just plowed into them it was i just couldn't <laughs> stop it was a it was like a proper steep steep exit on the brakes like i was braking as hard as i could couldn't do anything about it plowed straight into them and they all kind of looked at me like what why on earth did you do that and i was like well you're standing at the bottom of the trail and then the penny dropped um so you know, yeah, d- definitely. Like you know, d- d- just just be. As did a few of them. People. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yes, they did. Yeah, it's like like bowling. dominoes. Dunk, yeah, dunk. yeah, like uh, skittles. Skittles from an, an English pub in the nineteen eighties. That's kind of how it is in my mind. Um, there you go. That's the end of my helpful contribution. Thanks, Al. <laughs> well, how about you, Rob? Have you got any uh, top riding tips? Top riding tips. Well, I mean, I guess. Uh, 
around what Luke said, obviously he's kind of covered like the fundamentals, but there's mm. other things like, you know, being conscious of keeping your um, elbows bent, I think, your elbows out, just because your arms and legs essentially are the the best shock absorbers on the bike, regardless of how much, you know, travel your bike might have. It's your the movement from your arms and legs that allow you to move that bike up and over things rather than it just being your suspension doing all of that for you. So I think um, sort of staying loose and keeping your arms and knees flexed and, uh, you know, rather than, I think mean, everyone's been guilty of it at times, almost, you know, stiffening up and locking out in fear when you're, you know, sliding your way down a slippery death chute. And um, it's 10 times harder to ride when there's zero movement in your elbows or knees when you're uh, screaming and slithering uh, <laughs> to, you know, potentially your death. So staying uh, nice and loose and uh, flexible, I think, is the key. And, and other little things like... Um, you know, using your hips, turning, turning and, and almost imagining you've got like a, a laser guided missile coming out your belly button. And that's how I was going to say wanna... coming out of somewhere else there. That was going to be, uh, we're going to have to rate this one PG. <laughs> no. So almost just using your belly button to guide you, you know, trying to turn that as to, you know, where you want to be and going on the exit of the turns, stuff like that. Little things like that. It's always good to just sort of stick in your head. I think, um, it's really hard to be able to um, initiate all of that stuff in one go. So just work mm -hmm. on one thing at a time. And I would say finally, maybe um, dropping your heels, especially important on steeper terrain and under braking as well. Just keeping those heels down helps you just, you know, gain traction when you're under the brakes, or on the brakes, sorry. And um, again, helps with sort of absorbing a lot of that chatter and shock and keeps your feet on the pedals, especially if you're on flat pedals really important kind of helps you sort of push the bike up and over things rather than sort of your feet slipping forward and yeah exactly yeah exactly hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use Gift Mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. I guess I've got two, so the two things I sort of often try and bear in mind on, on technical stuff. First off is not being, it kind of ties into what Luke was saying about sort of keeping your body weight centered is, 
is not sort of shoving your weight all the way back on steeper terrain. Like obviously sometimes you need to, you know, you have to have a bit of fore and aft movement of your mm. body weight. But remember to trust your front wheel and trust your front brake and trust your front grip. And you can actually, you know, keep your weight a little bit further forward over the bike, especially now that they're a lot longer and slacker than they were back in the day. So if you've sort of been riding for a long time, you quite often see people hanging right off the back of their saddle on, you know, on slightly more steep terrain and actually getting that weight further forward helps engage the front tire helps give you the confidence that it's actually going to do what it's going to do and is not going to start slipping everywhere and you're probably not going to go over the front if you're if you're a little bit more careful and if you feel that you are sort of a bit tall and a bit high and a bit too further sort of forward and thinking that you're going to flip over the front just get your weight nice and low ties into sort of keeping those elbows bent get your weight low and not quite as far back as maybe it might be if you are feeling a little bit nervous hopefully that ties in with sort of what you guys would sort of think I, don't, I, was, I was also going to say, so I guess it's sort of similar to what I was saying, just about a bit of common sense on the trail uh, in terms of etiquette and stuff like that. But also, um, if you're riding a trail you're not familiar with, um, look before you leap, you know, uh, especially if it isn't um, a purpose-built trail centre. If you are out in the woods riding someone else's track, you have no idea what's on the other side. It could be a drop, it could be a roller, it could be a pit full of angry badgers that you just don't want to land in. So, um, yeah, yeah, especially if you're maybe not as confident as some looking at the obstacle before you tackle it is, is well worth doing and taking the time to do. So my second riding tip is where well, we always talk about descending and how to go faster down a hill. Um, but I actually quite like riding up hills, uh, especially techie ones. So my little quick, uh, top tip for getting up a steep, technical, steppy, rooty, nadgery climb is to drop your elbows, get your elbows down and in a little bit and, and almost pull back on the bar. You know when you're sort of going up something real steep and your front end's like wandering all over the place and you can't really keep going where you actually want to go? Get those elbows in, get those elbows nice and low and pull back on the bar a little bit and it really helps stabilise the bike when you're going up something steep. And there's like a, a little bit of movement back and forward with your bum over your saddle just sort of, sort of balance the rear wheel traction with your front wheel accuracy. Um that's what I find helps me get up. Do you ever else. do you ever drop your saddle? Uh, on, sort of on really technical stuff, I might drop it like what we call it like a comfort inch. Um, so drop it a tiny bit, just sort of hamper um, your sort of pedaling power and sort of it might make your legs a little bit more tired doing it like that because obviously it's not quite as efficient. Um, but as you say, like kind of helps gives you that mobility over the bike a little bit more. And especially if you've got like a, a slightly taller, more sort of XC orientated bike kind of makes it feel a little bit less unstable. So yeah, sometimes I might drop my saddle a little bit on like the most techie climbs for sure. But maybe not the steep ones. If it's like a steep, smooth climb and I just want to make sure I'm going straight, then I might, I'll might i keep the saddle where it is. But on like a, a more techie, tight, nadry one, then yeah, a little bit of a comfort inch is always good. It's, nice. a, it's a great technique for e-bike climbs, dropping mm. the saddle. And it's one that um, people don't actually think about that often. Uh, but it, it helps massively because you you know all the power is coming from the motor so you're not having to have that efficiency through your legs and dropping the saddle really really improves uh, bike control yeah the other thing i found on e-bikes is sometimes a little bit of front brake when you're pedaling on like on corners just helps sort of bring that weight a little bit further forward onto your front wheel and, and sometimes like yeah a little a little hint of front brake going up like an uphill corner especially on an e-bike i found can really help with a bit of sort of cornering traction just for stoppy Sunday, uphill stoppy Sunday. Uphill <laughs> stoppy Sundays. So there you go. All right, we're going to move on from riding technique and we're going to talk a little bit about the kit that you might want to be using when you're riding your mountain bikes out on the trail. And I think Rob has got some top tips 
um, after, what, 20-odd years of riding? God, you know what? It's probably like 30 now. Is it? Yeah. Pretty. Yeah. It's definitely over doing it 30. A long time. What's that? It's definitely 30 or more. Yeah, it probably is, actually. Yeah. In fact... Since we first started... In fact, it's probably 30 years... 30 years since I first raced would be 30 years since I first raced. Wow. Yeah. Same for you though, Luke. Oh yeah. Yeah. We did the same time as here. We did. Yeah. I probably On cried a, a bit more. Track is absolutely terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> Fox Hill. <laughs> Cross- Motocross is still on there. <laughs> they might That's as well have been. terrifying. We didn't know it was a motorbike race. We just turned up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Seemed like a good idea at the time. Um, I guess mine's not so much about uh, the kit you're going to necessarily wear or anything like that. More about, I guess, little hints and tips and tricks that might help you do anything from just getting out the door or, you know, um, being able to fix stuff while you're out. So I know a lot of people um, will wake up in the morning, look outside, realize it's tipping down with rain and then even though they might have had, you know, two or three hours free to go ride a bike, they end up kind of just procrastinating and that ride soon just disappears into the, you know, the, the busyness of their usual day. So one little thing that I like to always do is prep my stuff the night before. So it's, you know, rather than get up and, and stick on your normal clothes, you get up and you put your riding kit on, you've got everything laid out, ready to go. And kind of once you're, um, strutting around the house and that stuff looking kind of weird you can't not then head out the door and and go and ride a bike so i think for me that's definitely uh one of the easiest ways to to just motivate myself and make sure i do go out and use that time wisely um another little thing that i i mean i still do to this day but it's always if it's if you know you're going to be out for quite a long time and it's either really wet or really muddy I'll stick a second pair of gloves in a bag, um, normally in like a Ziploc bag and then stick it in my, either my riding pack or my bum bag or my pocket, whatever it might be. Just because if you crash and you get your gloves completely caked in mud, holding on is an absolute nightmare. Um, or if it's tipping down and cold, just how cold your hands can get and how grim that can make you feel. Um, I'm not going to carry another pair of socks, but just being able to change your gloves and make your, yeah, warm your hands up, you, you know, ideally you'd be able to do your feet too, but you can't a lot of the time. So just changing those just is another thing. If you've got another, you know, 10, 20 K to go, having that little boost in motivation, a bit like, you know, making sure you're eating properly and drinking and all that sort of stuff. It goes miles just to, um, perk you up a little bit more and just, you know, get you over the finish line almost. And then yeah. the other little thing that I would definitely recommend, um, carrying with you cable ties and duct tape i'm sure we've all been somewhere at in some case point you meet someone weird in the woods and you've got oh, uh, <laughs> we've all bumped into the stranger in the woods we don't want to meet <laughs> yeah. Hang on, it's, it sounds like if you're the one with the cables and the duct tape you're the stranger you're in the woods, woods. Yeah. <laughs> i'm definitely the weirdest person in the woods that's fine <laughs> I mean, I was going to say about fixing stuff, but sure. Oh, if you- oh sorry. I, was, I, <laughs> I went somewhere completely different with that. I just... It explains a lot, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> Why well, he never talks about what he did at the weekend. That'd be it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I need such a big backpack because there's a lot of cable ties in there. Yeah. But I think, I think we can all agree that there's 
a serious amount of jobs that you can fix with cable ties and duct tape. And so just having, you know, a few as a bare minimum, they don't, it doesn't weigh anything. You can unravel tape and carry it somewhere else. Um, it doesn't have to be on a massive roll of duct tape wedged into your bag or stuck to your bike somewhere. Just having that little bit extra could be a complete, you know, lifesaver if you're stuck out on the trail. Bit of duct tape round your pump, round the shaft of the pump saw is a good one. Yeah. And um, zip ties stuffed in your crank axle. There you go. There you go. Never going to lose them. I'm sure you've got, because you've ridden, I mean, you must be two decades in now, at least. Yeah, I think uh, I think I did my first race when I was 11 and I'm 36. It's 25 years. There you go. Mental maths. Quick maths. Yeah, Tom, Tom is the one who's good at maths. <laughs> so what well, well done, Tom. <laughs> well, you're better than me. I was. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't do that sum in my head that quickly. Uh, it's too many numbers. Um, anyway, yes, distracted instantly. Um, <laughs> I mean, mine mine kind of sound a bit obvious, but I've I've been uh, I've been blighted blighted by 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 this one quite specifically several times, um, and that is don't forget your biking shoes, your biking helmet, <laughs> your water, your bike. Um, so you know it might sound really obvious, but if you're in the position where you're maybe driving or travelling, you know, to uh, a riding spot and it's a fair schlep away from your house. Um, a little double check that you've got everything. It's really quite a good idea. Um, the number of times I've turned up uh, to a riding spot without my riding shoes and have then had to ride in like boat shoes or, um, you know, I, I, don't, I, no, I don't own boat shoes. That's ridiculous. Um, flip-flops or, you know, something crazy. Um, what are boat is, shoes? Uh, you know, those those little ones that the soles don't mark and they've got like the, the little laces and the little like, bit around like the front. Loafers almost. Yeah. Oh, that's Yeah, yeah no, I, I don't own those. Yeah, I don't own those. Um, uh, another one is, um, yeah, your helmet. Because without your helmet, you can't really ride your bike full stop. I mean, your shoes, you know, you could maybe get away with it if you've got a pair of trainers or whatever. Um, but without a lid, um, really not recommended. Um, so, you know, just a, just a little little cursory check whilst you're rushing, rushing out of the house. Um, you know. if, you're, if, you're sort of, well, if you're in the position to do so, uh, I always have spare shoes, spare helmet and a set of Allen keys in my van at every opportunity. They might not be like my favourite ones because, you know, like I'll obviously sort of put my favourite shoes in my bag and my favourite helmet. But I always have spares in there just in case I have forgotten something. Um, so if you're in a position where you can do that, I know not everyone is. Um, but it's always good to have the emergency ones. And also kind of like, you know, in Top Gear when like they did those challenges in various countries and there'd always be that little like Vauxhall something in the background sort of following them around just in case they failed. Maybe like have like your uh, the shoes that maybe you choose not to wear just to remind you that actually, oh God, I do need to pack my shoes because otherwise I'm going to be wearing <laughs> Is that why you invite me for rides, Tom? So I'm the guy at the back you can borrow my bike from if yours breaks. No, I know where I get the invites. I mean, he's just trying to stay ahead of you. Ties and the tape also. Yeah, right. <laughs> he's trying to stay out the front so you don't get him with your cable ties and tape. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that's why I invite you along, Luke. You just haven't twigged yet. Oh, God. This is oh, taking dear. a turn for the worst. Al, do you have any more tips? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, a, a, a chamois. Definitely wear a, a chamois. Um, you know, a, a lot of people just ride in their in their pants. Um, 
I, I can't find it <laughs> with their clothes over the top. <laughs> yeah. Obviously. <Yes. laughs> oh god. Oh dear. Oh no. Monday morning. Oh, this is this is degraded, isn't it? Yeah. So obviously, uh, obviously wearing outer layers on top, but ju- just wearing your pants is. Um, you know, it's not recommended, especially when they get wet and soggy and it's very uncomfortable. Um, you'd be surprised how how much less chafing you'll get wearing a, a nice chamois, um, you know, and, and the, the, they're really good. It's definitely one up there on one of the things along with, um, you know, some other central purchases that, you know, any cyclist, mountain bike, road, whatever, um, look look to get yourself a chamois and, and make sure you wash it after every ride. Do you, um, um, do you go for a short or a bib? I prefer a bib, personally, unless it's summer and I want to feel all sort of free and easy. Yeah, I like bibs as well. Yeah, I do. Yeah, definitely. Um, but sometimes with a with a base layer to avoid uh, nipple chafe. Yeah. Rob, right, we yeah. both had a set of bib shorts. I think we were both out and we were like, have you, got, have you tried these bib shorts? Because they're like yeah. a real thin brace. And yeah. It's just at the side of your nipple. And it's like, honestly, I almost had to put plasters on. Yeah, no pain like it. Properly ready to slice them off, both of them as well. Not just one, both ready to go. And you could have, no matter what you did, or definitely no matter what I did to try and adjust it to ride, you know, you'd sort of alleviate it for a little bit. And then you ride down a trail and it just go back to the default. Here is it. Here it is, chafing away. It's going to be red raw. You're going to probably cry very soon. Yeah. Not pleasant. You have to definitely put a base layer underneath them. Yeah. Or, or if you'd have uh, followed followed your your tips from earlier, you'd have had your duct tape with you, and you could have uh, just duct taped over your nipples. Well, that's why I wear short liners, just shorts. Yeah. I don't I don't wear bibs normally on the mountain bike. I wear them on the road bike, but um, yeah. Do you not find you get more mud up your back, up yeah. your lower back, when you're not wearing a bib. Uh, wear a onesie, mate. Ah. <laughs> yeah. There we go. It, yeah. Well. Sorry, Luke. Um, yeah yeah we've all got one pieces yeah yeah, yeah. i don't have one bibs day. i don't have a onesie yeah. <laughs> just lots of duct tape <laughs> just duct tape it. yeah and, and i guess another one um this one's learnt learnt through experience of living in the uh very dry climate of scotland i joke the uh slightly damp climate of scotland is having um solutions that aren't the bag your glasses or goggles came in to keep them dry and clean. Um, you know, if it's a really, really wet day, they will quickly get saturated and then you can't see. Um, so, you know, that's another little bonus tip. Maybe, uh, I believe with MBK Magazine, every so often they have a, a free microfiber wipe. Uh, I, I keep one of those, keep one of those in my bum bag and uh, and use that every so often. I find with, with when it comes to sort of cleaning stuff, I'm a big fan of cleaning your bike as soon as you finish a ride. Um, yeah. So when we... You know, again, I've got one of those. You know, very fortunate to have one of those dirt work. You know, the 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 high the the, the hose things in my, the back of my van. You know, the things where you can jet spray. wash. Jet wash. That's the word I was looking for. Um, so it's the Works Hydroshot, which is I think now sort of pretty much recognised as like the one to go for. It's it's very good. But I will always sort of make sure I clean my bike before I even get changed because I find that. If you get changed, you get your warm, like clean clothes on all that sort of stuff. The last thing you want to do is start spraying water around and cleaning your bike. So, in my opinion, finish your ride before you get changed, before you get clean and dry and warm and everything. Give your bike a quick hose down, and it just makes life a lot easier to do so. The, the caveat to that is that uh, only if it's your own bike that you've paid money for, right? Test bikes not included. Oh. Wink, wink. <laughs> 
I always keep my test bikes nice. Uh, this year, my little resolution to myself was that I was going to make sure my test bikes are running smooth. So I've actually, uh, I've been cleaning drivetrains, I've been oiling chains, I've been using disc brake cleaner and everything, and cleaning bikes on a very, very regular basis this year. It's my little, wow. my little, uh, my little resolution for the year. Wow. New, new year, new you. New year, new me. Yeah. You just got to polish it's the fun. halo as well, right? <laughs> Luke, how about what, what's your uh, little hints and tips? I think a lot of them have all been covered off there. I was going to, Al got in there at the end with one about having, uh, yeah, just shoving like a cough in a cloth in your in your pocket or down the inside of your shorts or trousers, whatever, just to keep riding glasses and goggles clean. I think that's a super important one. Um, nothing worse than going out and remember and forgetting to have taken uh, something with you to clean your eyewear when it steams up at the top of a trail. Um chamois again i'll second that one super important wouldn't ride my bike without a chamois god knows how i did that as a kid i'm sure we didn't wear them as much when we were younger but now i've gone old spot on advice with a chamois but going around without it i'd have um, thought that right up there would be trying to remember your kit i've, I've definitely driven to scotland yeah. with you maybe twice where you've forgotten a helmet i definitely uh the kit's a good one um <laughs> i've definitely ended up on the trails with no pedals is a good one as well sometimes you know you put in plenty of bikes in and out of the van. You take the pedals off. And uh, sometimes the pedals come out of the van. They don't always go back in. Or if you if you end up swapping bikes and uh, changing pedals, always remember to put them back on. So pedals is a... Well, there's a story of... Otherwise, you're, case. Just, you're just scooting down the trails on yeah, the saddle. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah, it's horrible. I've, I've had to hire pedals from a couple of trail centre shops. <laughs> <laughs> in the past i'd never done this though there's a story of an mbk staff member who uh came on a photo shoot and forgot their front wheel uh -huh. so, uh, <laughs> so that's it that was uh yeah didn't they leave it right. by the bins or something uh, I, I don't know the details of it but i do know they left they, it by uh, the rest. bins at the house <laughs> <laughs> the front axle is always a classic one as well always put your front axle back in the fork when you mm. put your car bike in the car else yeah. you will forget it one day don't put it on the ground yeah yeah, yeah. speaking Wait. of uh sort of bikes should we move on to our little uh top tips for bikes before we uh before we wrap it all up yeah bikes and maintenance right right well you've you've volunteered yourself there rob <laughs> oh dang it all right okay so um i think there's the obvious ones we need to just tick off nice and quick first stuff like um checking your tire pressure with tubeless tires, it can sort of fluctuate a little bit over time. So making sure they're topped up and you, you know, you have the correct PSI in your tires to make the most of those tires. I think that's critical. It's exactly the same with, um, fork and shock sag. It might not fluctuate as much, but again, um, maybe you're riding with, uh, you know, you're going out onto a, a massive ride and your backpack is now full of three liters of water. Whereas normally you just have a bottle on the bike. So potentially that's going to change how your suspension set up. So, you know, just keeping on top of that sort of stuff. And then I would say another really important one is um, making sure your tire sealant is still fresh enough to actually do its job. Um, I mean, I guess it's probably only going to be every few months that you're going to want to check on this, but to make sure it's in there and mobile and we'll still sort of slosh around and, seal holes i'd say that's pretty critical and likewise tubeless valves so um you know deflating the tire and unscrewing the valve core itself pulling it out making sure it's not clogged so if you do end up um needing to top up your tires what you know mid-ride the sealant might have done its job 
But if that valve itself is completely clogged and when you put your CO2 or your pump on there and you can't actually shift any air through the valve into the tire, you know, then you might as well just pack up and come home. So, uh, pulling those apart and just getting any of the flaky bits of, um, sealing out is always going to be a really important thing. Um, and then finally, I would say doing a bulk check regularly or relatively regularly and making sure you're just kind of going through everything works sort of, you know, front to back, everything from front axle, stem clamp bolts, you know, you know the bar clamp bolts, all of that sort of stuff, saddle, rear axle, bottom bracket, kind of just working your way through the bike, ideally with a torque wrench, ideally knowing what you need to, what the torques you need to work towards are and just ticking them off. You don't have to do this before every ride, but it's, it's no bad thing that you do it sort of periodically and, and, and quite regularly, I think. Mm. They call it like an, an, an M check or a PDI. That's right. Yeah. I was just testing a multi-tool the other day and, uh, to my horror fan, the rear caliper was surprisingly loose. It was just like, <laughs> Oh, good job. I checked that bolt because it, it wasn't on my list of things to do that day. And, uh, but just fiddling <laughs> to uh, reach the awkward bolts. Mr. Big Hitters that day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, I was like, well, what's the most awkward bolt to reach on a bike? Oh, the rear caliper bolt often is a pain in the ass. And, uh, and yes, yeah, so I got the multi-tool out to see if it would fit in there. It didn't, annoyingly. But um, I, just enough to so realise that, that. Yeah, so I just left <laughs> it. Uh, it fitted enough just to know that, gosh, that caliper was really loosened. Uh, but yeah, wouldn't have expected that for some reason. Should have, should have been better on my bolt checker. <laughs> Luke, have you got any more uh, any more tips on the, on this topic? So, on to brakes, just like going back to brakes, and yeah, checking uh, disc brake rotors, make sure they're tight, and keeping an eye on your brake pads. Even though some people wear their brake pads down really thin, it's just not a good idea. You know, you're better to um, change your pads when you've got a bit of life left in them. And again, and checking rotors as well, like surprising how easy it is to to burn a rotor or to wear out a rotor through a, a winter of soggy wet riding i'm sure al probably goes through brake pads god knows how many a month but um yeah go very very slowly <laughs> <laughs> using those brakes a lot just, just dragging those that's brakes the best lot. way to test yeah. them drag non-stop <laughs> yeah but i think uh yeah keeping keeping an eye on uh on brake pads and disc rotors i think is uh uh, a really important thing to uh, to do through the year. It's probably something that gets uh, we're all probably um, victims of uh, not changing our brake pads soon enough. Good stuff. My, with brakes, I always find my I seem to get contaminated brake pads quite a lot, and I'm never quite sure how and why. But um, I was riding just yesterday, and I sort of popped out of my bike, and my front brake just just didn't want to work. Couldn't really work out why, how it's got contaminated, but it had. Um, so go, I always go and find myself a good like muddy puddle. Um, swill it around a bit sort of, and then get a stick and just slather the rotor and slather the caliper. Obviously, like this isn't the dream to do, uh, but if you're out and about uh, and you find your brakes not working, slather the rotor and the brake caliper with a bit of mud and hopefully over the course of a, a descent or two, you'll start to uh, scrape off the, the top contaminated layer of uh, a lightly um, contaminated brake or rotor. Obviously, it's not going to save everything, uh, but it can sometimes sort of rescue you in a, in a sticky or actually not very sticky at all situation. Um, the other thing you can do if it's very dry out there, pop your pads out um, and give them a good rub on a bit of tarmac 
just again to take that top layer that's potentially the contaminated one off um, and stick it back on and that sometimes helps I find. Interesting. <laughs> the your, your colleagues are all speechless. <laughs> kind of came out of nowhere that didn't it and it wasn't really leading anywhere. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like just uh, you know lock your bike up outside a DIY shop walk in find a bit of sandpaper <laughs> give them a little oh, once no, over. No. <laughs> oh, very good. Well done Tom. Thanks. What about you Al? little insight um uh, for me i I, do you know what i really like a clean drivetrain this is something that's crept up on me over time and i've never used to be bothered i I would be like just add more oil but um actually i'm quite the opposite now i do like a very nice shiny set of gears and i find that they last longer and they sound smoother and they shift nicer and so using the correct loop for the conditions um is is key to that along with the post-ride cleanup so if it's dry, use dry lube, uh, apply it the day before you plan on riding so that the dry lube can set or cure on the chain. Because generally speaking, a dry lube won't won't be kind of wet or damp when it's on a chain um, because that's how it attracts the dust. Um, wet lube, slightly different. You can apply that just before you ride. Um, but my advice is really don't use wet lube when it's dry. Don't use dry lube when it's wet. Dry lube can get washed off and wet lube will attract all of that horrible, gritty, dirty stuff to where you're wear your chain down um, and then your post-ride cleanup and Tom kind of touched on this earlier you know when your bike's clean and wet give it give it the wash um, but the the drivetrain cleaning you know definitely focus on that um, maybe not everyone wants to be blasting all of their bikes bearings every time they wash their bike you know could could lead to shortened bearing life depending on how careful you are or your general routine um, but generally giving the drivetrain a good scrub making sure it's properly clean um, after every ride uh, and then prior to lubrication before your next ride is a great tip for just making your stuff last that little bit longer um, I think that you know that's kind of it for me very nice has anyone got any others to add before we uh, wrap all this up and sign oh, off just I guess one thing that's going to improve ride experience no end is keeping on top of suspension maintenance or service intervals really just a little bit and often if you can keep the oils fresh in your suspension and it with the right grease, I think that's, uh, as we've said before in other podcasts, having well-serviced suspension is going to be better than upgrading to brand new stuff, if you know what I mean, if yours is feeling a bit ratty. So as we go through the winter months, it's easier to get grime and dirt in there and, uh, and definitely a quick lower leg service can make a world of difference. Yeah. It's surprisingly easy as well, a low leg service, and a lot of manufacturers have um, a how-to guide on on their websites or YouTube channels or whatever. Um, and you know, as long as you're a relatively competent mechanic and you have a few choice choice tools, um, you know, and items to do the service, it's actually not that hard and doesn't take that long. Good stuff. All right. Well, um, I think with that, we'll uh, wrap up here. Um, so thanks ever so much for listening. If you've got any comments or if you've got any of your own tips, uh, why not pop them through to podcast at bikeradar.com or any tech questions for our tech Q&A podcast that we run every six to four weeks or four to six weeks as it's more conventionally said. <laughs> <laughs> so all I'll say now is <laughs> that tickled Rob. <laughs> Also, thank you to Rob, Luke and Al. Thanks for listening um, and we'll catch you on the next podcast. Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar Podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode. 